Hey, you're listening to Not Having It All, a film and TV podcast with some lifestyle thrown in for good measure. We're giving you some nostalgia this week with our rundown of the best and weirdest romantic comedies from the 1990s. Every cringeworthy moment and heartwarming monologue from You've Got Mal to 10 Things I Hate About You and how Julia Roberts is, well, almost in every film. It's a full house as me and Neha are joined by Courtney, Erica Martin and Jess Daly. So stick on those headphones, increase that volume and get ready to add more onto their ever-growing watch list of yours. Okay, so hey guys, this is another quarantine podcast episode, uh, giving you another bonus episode this week. And we've got a bit of a full house again. We've got Courtney back on the show, Neha's back on the show, Erica Martin's returning to the show, our favourite Canadian. (laughs) <laughs> and Jessica Jessica Daly's on the show for the first time. Hello. <laughs> Excited. You'll see Jessica in our film coming out for Christmas later this year. Exciting time. And you'll see her in many other things because Jess is like amazing and famous and just super talented and is just got so many projects on the go that she's not really put in quarantine to a rest time, are you? Uh well no, not really. I thought I would be because I'm constantly glued to the sofa anyway in between contracts um, as an actor, but <laughs> here we are. Here we are. You are baking though, I'm impressed. I know, but my, my oven's just broke today, so I don't know what I'm gonna do. <gasps> oh my god. Oh, no. oh man. Yeah. What do you no, mean like broke? Just give it in. No, it it literally we've it's been on the blink for a couple of months now, and um, it went a bit funny the other night. So we unplugged it, and then I plugged it back in today. And it's like, nope, see you, mate. Annoying. <laughs> oh God, that's not what you need. I'm gonna get around to doing some baking today. I'm thinking of a cream egg cheesecake. That's my Ooh, plan. Oh, nice. So, I yeah. can't bake. But I'm useless. You're not useless. At baking, I am. Oh my god, no, so bad. (laughs) I've got no No, patience. I thought I was, but then I made this Guinness cake the other day, and it changed my life. Like Guinness cake. That is so impressed. I was so (laughs) impressed, honestly. Although they've they've said like banana bread has become like the new white girl Instagram thing to do, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. That's like a meme kicking around. I actually have so many bananas that have gone like black that I could use to make banana bread, but I can't find flour anywhere. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's ridiculous. So bad now. There was a woman as well. She put on a Facebook that she'd made this like makeshift sandbox for her son with flour, and people were like, "You've wasted all that flour on a oh sandbox." So yeah, but it's just just uh, what people are like these days. But obviously, as the world has gone mad, we thought we'd take a little trip down memory lane because nostalgia is always great when you're feeling a bit down. And look at some '90s rom coms. Um, now I love rom-coms as you guys do as well and I feel like the 90s for me they've got like a specific brand of rom-com I don't know what it is I don't know what the secret ingredient is it's probably Julia Roberts but it just seems to work on a different level to like 80s Julia Roberts rom-coms it has to be Julia Roberts she was like the main recurring actor I found when I was making my list, Julia Roberts. Mm. And Meg Ryan, it's... though. I love Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan, too. Oh, Meg true. Meg Ryan, too. Yeah. She creeps up there. She creeps up there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go through the years. We're going to have a little throwback, think about how some storylines are very similar, what kind of women we're seeing in these films as well. Are they damsels in distress? Are they strong and independent? Um, they're all straight, just saying now, because it is the 90s. Um, and they're also all white, because it is also the 90s. <laughs> so let's go back to 1990, uh, and we're going to start with Pretty Woman. 
which um, I wasn't allowed to watch when I was younger because it was about a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> the Pretty Woman's quite... I mean, the fact that it is about a prostitute is quite hilarious because you wouldn't probably have that storyline in modern day, would you? The fact that it's generally Richard Gere wants a prostitute, so he finds one, and then they live happily ever after. It's bonkers. Um, Neha, do you, have you seen Pretty Woman? Yeah, it's one of my faves. Do you want to take us on this journey first, then? Just that I love it. Like, that's it. I, I love it. I think <laughs> it's... Um, I wanted to be Julia Roberts. I think I still want to be Julia Roberts. Um, I think the only thing I didn't like about the film was that weird age difference. I don't know what that weird age how difference old, was about. I don't know, but I feel like she this? was 23 or 24, and he was, like, in his late 30s, early 40s, which is a bit... Richard Gere is 70 now, and Julia Roberts is 50. Okay, so there is 18 years between them. There you oh, go. Wow. Yeah, that's that's yeah. another theme we're going to see a lot, actually. Yeah. Which, which, when you're, like, 50, is not so bad, but when you're a 23-year-old prostitute, it's, like, quite yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. I love it. I love the... It's hot, though. When she's... Oh, my God, he is, yeah. And she's, like, singing in the bathtub, but then there's that bit when she can't... When she walks into that store and they like look her up and down and they're like, ew, she's what she is. And then, oh my God, it's so good. But yeah, I'm a fan. It's it's funny because the little moments like the the walking into the shop thing, like does anyone else feel that sometimes when they walk into like a really snooty shop? Oh yeah. And the kind of, they follow you around like, can I, can I help you? Oh yeah. No, I can easily see that everything's too expensive for me on my own. Thank you very much. Um, The security guard like follows me around. Ridiculous. Every shop in France Absolutely. is like that, though. Anytime you go into any shop in France, people look at you like you're going to destroy the place. Mm. And you're like, I just want to try on these shoes. And they're like, do you, though? They're probably not going <laughs> to fit your giant feet. You, you know. <laughs> I've, had, no I've, I've had that so many times in shops in France. And I'm just like, guys, do you want my money or no? <laughs> yeah. I had the total opposite um, experience when I was in China before Christmas, before corona obviously kicked off um i was there for a couple of months and if you go into a shop in china they really want to help you um okay it's really sweet but i got to the point where i just wanted to nip into like the pharmacies or watson's over there it's the equivalent to like boots i wanted to nip in for something and then i got followed around the shop because they wanted to help so i started playing a game where i'd run away (laughs) oh my god And I'd be like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna run so that they can't find me anymore. And they'd get so confused and, and couldn't find me. <laughs> but they were so sweet, Jesus. wanted to help. But I was like, I need to be left alone. <laughs> Bloody yeah. hell! I'd, like, just imagine you playing like Pac-Man around boots. It's just brilliant. <laughs> I love no, that. No, honestly, it gave me so much entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> This is like the first time we see Richie Gere and Julie Roberts together. And like, despite that age difference, they do make this really electric on-screen couple. But do you know who originally was meant to be in these roles? No. No. So for Richard Gere's role, uh, Al Pacino turned it down. Oh, my God. (laughs) Courtney's face I'm living for. But Reynolds I'm just imagining it like it would be an alternate universe. Yeah. Like the entire world would be different. Maybe the coronavirus wouldn't have happened. I don't know. <laughs> Butterfly effect. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was meant to be him. Uh, and obviously for Julia Roberts' role, Meg Ryan was the top choice, yeah. but she turned it down. Ooh. 
It's better for Julia. A lot of people turned it down, actually. Uh, Daryl Hannah turned it down because she said it was degrading to women. Michelle Pfeiffer turned it down because she didn't like the script. Um, They had Winona Ryder come in, but she was too young. And, yeah, eventually they went with Julia Roberts. Who killed it? different... Yeah, alternative universe nearly happening there. I can't imagine Al Pacino. Like, no, I can't. Because no. Rich, Richard no. Gere's got that warmness to him. Like, he's quite, like, a cuddly yeah. character. I'm Al trying Pacino. to remember him in any kind of, like, rom-com scenario, and I'm drawing a blank, but maybe I just don't <laughs> know enough. The closest <laughs> thing I can think of is, like, Scent of a Woman, but that's not really funny. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... That's the closest Al Pacino's ever got to a rom-com. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe it scary. wouldn't have been a rom-com if you had been in it. It would have just... True. It would have been just very scary. Like, Al Pacino taking out a prostitute. Like, is he going to murder at the end? Like, yeah. Imagine it was Al Pacino and Renona Ryder. No, oh, my God. God. <laughs> so, Tim Burton directing. Very oh. uh, Okay, so moving on to later in 1990 is Ghost, which is a rom-com slash fantasy slash thriller. It's a bit of everything Ghost, isn't it? I completely forgot about this one. So did I, yeah. Hey, so did I, actually. Um... I loved this film as a kid. I thought it was so sad, though, that he dies. Like, you get to the end of the film, and I'm like, what, he doesn't come back to life? (laughs) But she's got to be with someone. But no, he just walks into heaven and just leaves everyone Mm. behind. Um, Jess, how do you feel about the ghost, then? The ghost, sorry. Ghost. (laughs) The ghost. Do you know what? It's not not really... It's never been really top of my list. But I because it's one of the sad ones... So I always want like a feel good happy ending. So I I tend to avoid the sad ones. So <laughs> I mean I completely agree with you. Mod like modern day even, like I'll avoid the notebook unless I really want a good cry. But <laughs> um do you know what's um what's kind of reconnected me to ghost over the years is I do musicals for a living, so they made Ghost into a musical, as they've done with Pretty Woman actually mm-hmm. like recently. Yeah. Um so like I've been able to like revisit films like that via that and new kind of interpretations of them. So, Ghost. I mean, I really enjoyed it actually in the theatre when I saw it. Um, but and it made you kind of revisit it in a different way, uh, obviously. But yeah, I I mean the soundtrack is classic, isn't it? You got it is. mm-hmm. the absolutely classic um, unchained melody. So. To know really, I did. I, I avoid it because it's sad. <laughs> it is Same. sad. I mean, I think the biggest comedy element to it is obviously Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg, and yes. I love, I love the story behind Whoopi Goldberg getting cast um, for this film. Um, because I think she originally went for it and they turned her down and then they spent two years trying to find someone else for the role and then eventually they reapproached her for it. Um, so she really had to fought hard for that role but she is the funniest part of the film the film is deeply sad and it kind of deals with probably just mourning someone not being able to let them go um, but like like you said Jess it's just too sad for like me at the end when they don't get back together I was as a child I was really confused I was like but why it's a film <laughs> they should live happily ever after and my mum would be like but he's dead and I'd be like that doesn't matter you know <laughs> Bring it back. <laughs> Bring it back. She, he can just live as a ghost in the house and, you know, touch her when she's doing the pottery stuff. You know, it's <laughs> totally fine. Totally fine. Uh, Demi, Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze are lovely, though. Patrick Swayze is just such a, mm-hmm. just a rom-com. Oh, he should have been him. in more rom-coms. Yeah, I love him. 
he's got that yeah he's got that romantic era mm. to him even though i think to be honest speaking about um age differences again oh gosh so no they were mm, he was only 10 years older than her i'll let him off that's not too bad <laughs> mm. uh, the, the final film from 1990 we're going to talk about is wild at heart which is the <sighs> nicholas cage film Courtney's absolutely <laughs> gasping right now. I didn't know this counted because I thought it was too, like, crack-heady. <laughs> it's, it's described as a black romantic comedy crime film. It's um, so good. <laughs> but yeah, it's directed by David Lynch. So, Courtney, why don't you tell us why you clearly love this film if you're currently shaking? <laughs> I was blessed enough the first time I saw this was in a theater at a midnight screening, like in the beginning of my like peak David Lynch obsession, and I just lost my head. It's so good. Nicolas Cage wears a snakeskin jacket the whole time. He's so cool. Like he's not I can't call Nicolas Cage sexy because I I can't. Just as like Laura Dern, I love her. They they work together, like, together they're sexy. Yeah. There's a lot of nudity in it. Like, they just go to pound okay. town, like, 20 minutes. Really? Yeah, David Lynch really liked showing Laura Dern's titties. But um, <laughs> it's just a bizarre... It's it, I, I, I connect it very much to um, True Romance, but it's just, okay. like, funnier than that. Like, it has that same, like, kind of road trip troubled people you know just trying to be together energy but it's just a lot sillier it's one of david lynch's silliest movies um and laura dern's mom plays her mom in it and that's really funny and you just want them to work out like that's such a good that's maybe one of my favorite couples in film ever because they just they love each other so much and there's so many people trying to keep them apart because he's kind of like the bad boy Oh, it's so good. And Willem Dafoe's in it, so check my box. <laughs> yeah, David Lynch described the film as finding love in hell. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, I've never yeah, seen ha- it before. Yeah, me I've either. I've never seen it before. going to put it on my list. I'm intrigued now. You've described it very it. well. It's very good. Okay. Okay, and then moving on to 1990, we have Father of the Bride. Uh, anyone seen this one? Yes. Yeah. It- good. Have I seen it? I don't know. It's Steve Martin. It's one of my comfort films. Yeah. Is it? Tell, tell us why it's your comfort film. I I've only seen it once, I think. Yeah, it's just so happy. Like, they live in this big, like, scenic house in San Marino, and he owns a shoe company, and he's married to Diane Keaton, and they have this, like, very nuclear family that clearly don't ever have any problems in their lives, and then the daughter's getting married, but she's, like... He thinks she's far too young and it's some guy she met in Rome. Like, it's completely theatrical and not a real, like, like it's not real life. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's just so cute. Like, it just makes me so happy. And then obviously you've got the sequel, um, which came out a few years after. But it's just, it's just like one of those rosy films where nothing bad happens. I quite like the element to it that it's it's a rom-com, but it's more about, like, a father's love of his daughter and yeah. that kind of, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I love a good film about father-daughter things. Um, <laughs> but it's... Uh, Nancy Myers um, wrote this. Mm. It's one of her early earliest works, and I love Nancy Myers. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Rom-com queen. Um, but, yeah, it's quite nice. And Kieran Culkin is in this film. He is. Kieran. Yes. 
Kieran Culkin. And there was word that there was going to make like a third one, and it was going to be about Matty Banks, but Matty Banks getting married to a man, so it was going to have this whole like new fold. Yeah, but I don't think it ever got off the ground. I was looking forward to it. Oh, that's a shame. I mm. like that actually. Um, then moving f- really forward now to 1993 with. Sleepless in Seattle. Oh my god, one of my favorites. <laughs> now, when we put out on the podcast this week, like <sighs> listeners, tell us what your favorite rom com is. Sleepless in Seattle was number one. It came up like seventeen times. So this is clearly one of the most popular. Um, it's Nora Ephron. It's Tom Tom Hanks. It's Meg Ryan. You've got all the ingredients here for a rom com sandwich, haven't you? Um, Jess, tell us why it's your all time favorite. Oh, I just, I only started watching it, like, maybe about six years ago, something like that. And I was like, how have I not seen this before? It's one of my mum's favourites as well. But everything <laughs> down to, like, obviously, the landscape of Seattle is beautiful. Um, and Harry Connick Jr., Wink and a Smile, is one of my favourite songs that's featured in it. And Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, I mean, you can't go wrong. I love Meg Ryan so much in um, rom-coms. And their relationship together is so good. Even though they don't, they, they don't really get... They don't meet as such. Until the end. Until, Until the, the end. end. Yeah. Until the end. Which, oh. um, but my favourite quote, one of my favourite quotes is from that night where I Googled it earlier on in preparation because I wanted to have you it didn't on want to get it wrong. My favourite, one of my favourite quotes is, you make a million decisions that mean nothing and then one day you are to take out and it changes your life. Just, oh. I just, I love it so much. I don't know, I don't know, I just love it. I love it's it. It's very, it's very, <laughs> she loves it. It's very of its <laughs> time, like, we, I think we spoke on the show before how cute it is that they fall in love via a radio talk show. Like, you wouldn't really have something like that today unless they were, like, listening to a podcast or something. Yeah. But it's it's the sun is so lovely the fact that he kind of orchestrates this all together mm. almost um the fact they're very different um and it's it's also not as much as it is about love it's also a film about loss and like tom hanks mourning his wife and trying to rebuild this family unit he has with his son and it, the long distance element of things um it is touching and meg ryan is lovely in this film absolutely lovely it's such it is a, it's a heartwarming film would you say it's a comforting film yeah yeah it's i love it when she um she locks herself in the cupboard <laughs> <laughs> but i love it but it's it's kind of crazy as well though doesn't she acts a bit crazy in it it's like she is how, i was gonna say she's not like the full ticket in this film <laughs> <laughs> like if somebody did that today you'd be like you okay hun how you feeling yeah <laughs> <laughs> like if your friend said to you like I'm going to fly out you'd be like okay hold on <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's not book anything just yet okay <laughs> oh yeah it is, it is quite bizarre that she literally writes him a letter and says like yeah let's meet the top of Empire State Building it's just yeah bonkers it's also known as a Christmas film so if you are looking at Christmas to watch some films you can put that on your list it's relevant um, Rita Wilson is in this film as well Tom Hanks's wife I can't remember who she plays though me neither. Susie, I but I can't remember Susie. No. Maybe it's a friend. Anyway, a little bit of fact knowledge for you there. Um, sticking with 1993, it is Groundhog Day. Now, I didn't regard this as a rom-com, but a few people did come it back totally to us. It totally is. Okay, Erica, tell us why. <laughs> well, okay. 
I think that what we've sort of touched on this a little bit about how like, you know, father, the bride is, is, is kind of more about like a father or daughter relationship and that kind of thing. And yeah. I, f- I find that the best rom-coms are not just about this one relationship, this one romantic relationship, but are about like either like a self-discovery of the main character or about like another underlying relationship or like, you know, some, a loss or something like that. that so it's just really well-rounded and Groundhog Day does that, I find. Because yeah, yeah, there's this, there's this sort of, there's this very beginnings of a relationship, but the fact that this guy has to work so hard on himself to get to the point mm-hmm. where he is worthy of this relationship and of this person, well, that's the whole story, really. It's I, it's a rom com in that there is that romantic element, and it, there is a lot in it that is romantic. Um, yeah, I think because there's all these romantic moments, like when they're playing in the snow and he's like making this ice sculpture of her. Like that's just, it's so it's it's really really romantic. And for me, what actually makes it is, um, is her performance. I find because you know Bill Murray's doing his Bill Murray thing, which is excellent. Yeah. It's excellent. Um, but in this one, he ends up being goofy a lot of the time. And I find that what she does in these moments really makes it, really softens it and really makes it romantic. So, anyway. And it, it kind of shows him evolving because, like, when he first discovers he, he can do whatever he wants with no consequences, he does the classical, like, I'm going to get drunk, I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to eat what I want, I'm going to have one night stands, I'm going to rob a bank kind of thing. And then he starts spending all of his days trying to win Andy McDowell over and then he becomes depressed because he can't do it. So you kind of get that thing. I mean, not many men would spend every day trying to win someone's attention, mm-hmm. especially not now. Um, so I think that, it, yeah, like you said, there is that romantic side of it. And I think Andy McDowell's quite lovely as a rom-com star. I don't think we talk mm-hmm. about her enough. She's um, great. She comes, up, she comes up a bit later in Four Weddings and Funeral, but they do have that kind of nice little connection together, which I think is quite nice. Um, so, yeah, it's just, an un, it's just an unknown rom-com to me. I always look at it as a comedy film, but there is a lot of romance in it. So that's a good shout, actually. I need to watch it. I've not seen it. Oh, oh it's, it's so lovely. Good. And it's we're kind of living it now, right? <laughs> so we are. It's we are. Cute. <laughs> so It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Although I don't know about you, but like, I don't think many men today... Like, speaking to my single friends, there's not a lot of men that are really putting an effort in with online dating currently during the quarantine. I thought it'd be a good moment for them that they can yeah, like, they're literally really show they're worthy. But no, it doesn't appear that they are showing no. that at all. Nope. Nope. Depressing. Do better, boys. <laughs> Do better. <laughs> so... Going on to 1994, this is one of my favourites, and it's not spoke about quite a lot. Um, it's starring Tony Collette. It's Muriel's Wedding. Oh, so good. I've not seen it. I haven't it's seen it. Not for a while. Lovely film. It's an Australian film as well. It's a comedy drama, and Tony Collette just is brilliant. She's just fantastic. She plays Muriel, who's awkward and just socially not really all there, and she's kind of like ridiculed by all her friends because all her friends are getting married but she's not really dating anyone and um yeah it kind of goes through that kind of whole process with her but she's just it's just such a 90s film it's ridiculous it's slapstick it's inappropriate but Tony Collette really just carries it home and she's very you can relate to her a lot in the sense that she's just she's not up to scratch full of other friends she's just kind of doing her own thing and winging it and hopefully one day she'll get the guy and things like that yeah um 
Would you agree with that? Would you say she's really like relatable, Jess? Oh my god, Tony Collette, yeah, in that film. I've not seen it in years. Um, yeah, same. But I completely agree. I need to. It's. Do you know what? Um, somebody reminded me of it like last year, and I was like, I need to watch that again, and I still haven't watched it. So I need to <laughs> put that on my list. I'm writing a list as we go along of things I've not seen. Oh, me too. But the one thing that burns in my mind. Um, from when I was younger and I used to watch it me and my best friend at the time Amy used to put it on when we thought our parents were like downstairs or whatever and we used to skip to the bit where she is on the beanbag <laughs> and we were like oh, oh it's really naughty it's really naughty oh we're watching sex <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's just something that when you try and pause it memories. yeah so sad <laughs> but uh, that's what that reminds me of that's funny but yeah i need to add that on the list and tony collette i think is she's not underrated because people think she's brilliant but i just we don't hear enough about her i don't think i think they think she's brilliant after the hereditary but i don't think there's not a lot not a lot there's not a lot of love for her for the project she did prior to that like she's got such a massive catalog of films and tv shows united states of tara which i've mentioned every podcast the past five weeks um (laughs) she's she's brilliant i absolutely adore her and there's a really love that it's quite intense so maybe don't watch it if you're feeling down but she did a film with drew barrymore a few years ago called miss you already or something where she gets cancer and it kind of goes through her basically dealing with that and it's such a lovely rom-com about female friendship um so i definitely recommend that but it's very sad so if you're not in a good mental state just skip it for a little while <laughs> just give you a heads up um Sticking with 1994, back to a British one, it's Four Weddings and a Funeral. Now, I had to study this in film school, so it drove me mad for ages because I had to watch it like 25 times in a month. But it is a classic. And now that I'm a bit older, I do appreciate Hugh Grant as a romantic mm. interest. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about him, but I just, I just do. It's like the um, floofy hair and the glasses and like he's always running to weddings in that dishevelled suit. Like I think that's what it is. I, that's what it is. And it's the accent. I don't know what it is about the accent, but like if a boy come up to me today and started speaking to me in that accent, I'd be like, where the hell have you come from? <laughs> but Hugh Grant just seems to nail it. I don't know what it is. It's just, mm. yeah. What I do want to ask though is, Erica and Courtney, you obviously grew up in Canada and America. Was this a big hit over there as it was over here? Yeah. Well, and it's for, popular. When I, yeah. Yeah. When it came out, I remember everybody talking about. It. I never ended up seeing it. I don't know why. But I've never he, seen it either. People were talking. People definitely were talking about it. And I know a lot of people who it was their favorite film. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. It's quite a classic. I mean, and it's Richard Curtis as well. Mm. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it, and the cast is just beyond British legends. You've even got like Rowan Atkinson in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like. John Hanna and his partner I can't remember who plays his partner their relationship um, I thought that was really fresh for a 90s rom-com I'm not going to spoil it because people haven't okay. seen it but I think okay. m- more so than Hugh Grant and Andy McDowell's relationship in that film I think I'm more convinced by John Hanna and whoever it is who plays his partner his name I don't remember Gareth and David or Gareth and John or something John Hannah plays Matthew. Matthew Simon and Gareth. Gareth plays Gareth. Yes, gotcha. there we go. Okay. Yes. What do you think of Andy McDowell's character in this film, though? Because a lot of people kind of say she's bitchy and he do- she doesn't deserve she it. She does annoy me. She, is- she annoys okay. me. I've not Same. seen it in a 
few years, but I like think of her when I think of that film. I think of how much she annoys me. Because <laughs> there's that point when she starts like counting how many sexual partners she's had, and um, he's trying to like awkwardly tell her that she, he loves her, and she just kind of ignores him. And I'm like, he's right in front of you. What's wrong with you? Kind of thing. See, was and... I kind of like that? I kind of like that she's um, this like liberated doesn't really care what people think of her women, woman but I think I'm annoyed at how just flighty she is like she wants him okay. and then she doesn't want him and then she's getting married and then she's not and then it's just like make up your mind <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about Fiona though so Fiona's played by Kristen Scott Thomas who's obviously in love with Hugh Grant and she tells him and he basically says thanks but no thanks I thought she was great in this film Kristen Scott yeah. Thomas mm-hmm. she's so young as well I forget I think she's my favourite character in the film. It's good they do unrequited love. Mm. Unrequited love. But no, it's, um, it is a classic film and it's probably definitely up there with the right. And a lot of people come back to us saying that that was one of their favourite rom-coms so we had to talk about it. Sticking with 1994, we've got Reality Bites. So this is the rom-com starring Ben Stiller, Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke. Um... It's very 90s. It's achieved a bit. Courtney, would you say it's got like cult status now? Yeah. It's about. I've never actually seen it, it? but I know a ton about it because you know I'm on that Ethan Hawke grind. (laughs) When I watched this film, so basically, Winona Ryder is kind of like stuck in the middle of like a, what do you call it? Love triangle kind of thing. So she lives with a bunch of her friends. One of them is Ethan Hawke. Um,. But there's a lot of, like, not controversial, there's a lot of deep matters in it. So they speak about HIV because one of her friends um, catches HIV after a one-night stand. So it kind of delves into that. And then they delve into a character who comes out as gay to his parents who um, are very conservative. So there's a lot of different kind of subject matters they deal with, which isn't just Winona Ryder being in love. But Ben Stiller kind of plays a very how do you describe him Courtney he's like he's not a bad guy he's just a bit I've never actually seen it I just know that oh, I thought you said I like, know you just knew <laughs> I just know about it yeah I just know like I know because it I feel like it is the ultimate like um Gen X movie like it's yeah. reached that level so I've heard like even before I was on that Ethan Hawk grind I had heard about it just because of that like it being I don't want to say studied but just like it's it's a benchmark in I don't. I never thought of it as a rom com. I guess from like what I'd heard about it, because I heard, knew all that serious stuff. But I think it's one of the examples, kind of like Groundhog's Day, like Erica was talking about, that like it's better because it's not just about you know the love triangle or the relationship. It it kind of has multiple things going on. Yeah, and there's there's a good storyline. I always love when you get a storyline about a woman's career and there's a man who doesn't understand it just because it's very relatable we don't talk about it enough like you see in films Mm -hmm. about men having careers and the women supporting them but you rarely see a woman have a career and the man actually stand back and be like okay how can I help you achieve your career because I'm comfortable with myself whereas in this film Winona kind of has this aspiration to be like a filmmaker and Ben Stiller kind of helps her but then basically just shits all over her when it comes to it so it's interesting to see that dynamic but yeah ethan hawk is a babe just just saying. <laughs> just saying um and that was the same year before sunrise came out wasn't it so he had a good year yeah good for him moving on to 1995 clueless yay this came up 
So we basically asked our listeners what romantic comedies they liked in the 90s and Clueless was up there hugely. Now this is a teen rom-com, but what I like about Clueless in regards to being a rom-com is that there's so many little relationships mm. happening mm. so many different little love stories you've got the teachers at school that they try and help get together which i think is really sweet uh, stacy dash and donald Faison playing that love relationship you've got Brittany murphy and the kind of love triangle and you've got Cher horowitz dating her stepbrother how do you guys feel about this because we it comes up every now and then but it's, we've kind of just <coughs> accepted it haven't mm. we yeah i don't even remember I- I, I remember because my dad took me to see that in the theater and I and I I thought it was really cool and I didn't get half of the jokes <laughs> like I, too, I remember watching it like 15 years later and being like what <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like exactly. the joke about like yo shit you guys got coke here like I did not get that joke when I was 10 years old um yeah but I remember I don't think I really understood that it was a stepbrother or something because they have that one mm-hmm. throw throwaway line in the beginning that explains the relationship where she's like, you were hardly even married to his mother and that was four years ago or something like that. So they yeah. basically explain that away really quickly. So you're like, it's fine. They're not related. Mm. And then you just kind of yeah, <laughs> forget or something like that. So it never becomes a thing of like, you're dating your stepbrother. They just decide it's not going to become an issue. It's funny, yeah. they're not related, don't blow it up or yeah. something. Um, but it's, it's funny because it's based on Emma. Yeah. And, like, that relationship is not, she's, they're not step-siblings. So I guess this was the only, this was the way to make that happen. I don't know, I actually don't know why this that, that, would, that decision was made, but I guess maybe because it was going to be sort of like a younger person's perspective, it would be easier to just explain it away by having like a step sibling who's the love interest in emma then um it's her so it's the brother of her it's her brother-in-law i guess so the her sister's husband's brother so so the sister of emma got married to a guy and his brother is mr knightley okay yeah and stepbrother's a lot more like controversial than that mm, yeah yeah and I, so i don't really know why that decision was made because they because it doesn't really because the fact because that is seems to be more of an issue and like a draw a drawback sorry a drawback in yeah. emma than it is in this film do you know what i mean because in mm-hmm. in emma they're constantly talking about like oh well that i mean you know we're kind of like siblings this is a bit weird which it's not weird you guys marry your cousins hello and then yeah <laughs> and then like but then, like, in this, in Clueless, it's just, like, nobody thinks it's weird. The father is fine with it. Mm. It was kind of like... I mean, the film's a little bit ridiculous anyway. I mean, at the start of the film, she tells us that her mum died during a liposuction <laughs> procedure. So... <laughs> so good. It's, yeah, it's just a bit... Di- and, that, like, she does call him her, her ex-stepbrother. I mm. mean, if you had a friend that told you they were now dating the ex-stepbrother, how would you feel? Would you feel, feel creeped out? Or would you just kind of, like... Because I'm just wondering if the film has, like, really glossed over it. Yeah. Um, this actually has... Ha- not happened to me, but I've had a friend who, who dated their ex-stepbrother... Or, actually, I think the story went, she started dating this guy. I think they made it online or something like that. She started dating this guy and then found out that he actually was her stepbrother or, like, her... Yeah, like, I guess they hadn't met or didn't know that they were... Yeah, it was really weird. I don't know if it lasted. (laughs) But 
<laughs> but I remember hearing about this and being like, what? I was, bad. yeah. I love it. I love the drama. But no, it is, it is a lovely rom-com and she is, um, I mean, Cher is a ridiculously lovable character. I mean, she is shallow. She is ridiculously high maintenance. She's, you know, she mocks idealism and she's very selfish and vain and superficial, but she's got that lovable quality to her where you just don't care what she says or don't care what she does because she's so lovely. Um, the romantic side of it, I mean, Josh is a heartthrob. Paul mm-hmm. Rudd is oh. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Ugh. He is lush. He's just he's just the typical American college guy who's like into social issues and watches documentaries and you know. So it is nice that kind of like the opposites attract situation kind of happens with them. But yeah, the stepbrother thing. I I wonder why they put that in. Maybe they just put it in to be a bit ridiculous. I mean, people remember it. It stands out. Are they still making a spin-off? <gasps> They're making a spin-off. I didn't know. I didn't know that. That is huge. They made. They were. There was this clueless TV show back in the day. Yeah. Which was hilarious. Oh, sorry, not spin-off. Sorry, stage stage show musical. <gasps> um, oh, it, it was on in America, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think, think it was only on for a yeah. little while. That's a shame. Oh yeah, it was. Um, it was on last year. Was it off okay. Broadway or was it? <laughs> it was off Broadway. Yeah. Weird. Um, musical numbers. No scrubs. Barbie girl, she's so high. Bye bye bye. She, that sounds like yeah. my kind of musical. I want to see that. Come was to it, London. Was Dove Cameron in it? She was. was. She played uh, the lead character. Ah. Mm. Okay. Has anyone seen While You Were Sleeping? Is that the one where the guy's in a coma? It is. Yeah. Um... So Sandra Bullock. It, Again, it's kind of known as Christmas film, but basically Sandra Bullock is falls in love with this guy that she sees briefly, and then he falls into a coma. Doesn't she, like, fall in love with his brother or something? Yeah, and it's Bill Pullman, isn't it? It's such a weird storyline. So basically, she kind of goes to the hospital and sees him every day, but then eventually after that, um, she starts spending time with his brother and then kind of falls for her brother and yeah it's she tricks him at one point it's very it's quite a messed up film that's why i was curious I love if you guys have seen it i'm gonna put it on my list because I, I love mess yeah there's definitely a brother kind of relationship in there that's a little bit messy quite strange lots um, of sibling stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's as racy as the 90s we're gonna get it's like <laughs> yeah brothers right. and brothers <laughs> no. nothing too extreme guys nothing too extreme no. Uh, 1996 you had Jerry Maguire now I always find it funny when people call this a rom-com but it is described as a rom-com um, Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger played the leads I mean I saw it years it. ago years and years ago and it was cute yeah, I think I, I would say it was a rom-com just for that line where she's like you had me at hello like that's a line <laughs> <laughs> that's a line does anyone have anyone at hello like no no no. I struggle with Tom Cruise Same. as a like rom com lead. Me too. I, st- I struggle with Tom Cruise. I can't anyway. deny that he's like he's a good looking man, and I enjoy a good Tom Cruise movie, despite the fact that he scares me so deeply. But I just don't believe it. He's scary, Kara. Still he laugh. Is, he is no, scary. I am scared of him. That's when I watch Mission Impossible. I just ignore him, and then me after too. the film is over, I go back to being afraid of him. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, I how I, that's what I, how I deal with it. 
Yeah, there's mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. That's Tom Cruise. And there's Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. And they are two separate entities. And that's <laughs> yep. how I choose to live my life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, he's an absolute fucking freak. I'm just going to put that there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the sound um, bite for this episode. <laughs> that's the sound bite right there. Um, but yeah, um, interestingly, Renee Zellweger wasn't actually meant to play the role. It was mm. meant to be Amira Savino from Ooh. Romy and Michelle's husband. Huh. But she was too different. expensive, so they went with Renee Zellweger <laughs> instead. Now, we're going to 1997, which for me, I think, is a key year in the 90s rom-com era. We've got so many here. We're going to start with My Best Friend's Wedding, which to me would be the greatest musical it could ever be. If oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> They're making it. It's coming out. <gasps> no! Stop. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah, Baccarat uh, music. Oh, my God. <gasps> This yeah, is, yeah, that's gonna be great. I can. I it's, it's been. A, it's on Twitter. That it's meant to come out this year, end of this year, with Alexandra Burke as the girl part. <gasps> oh my gosh! I'm that's so gonna thrilled. Be great. I actually love this film. I mean, it, it opens with a song. There's a song in the middle when everyone sings. There's a song at the end. Oh, I just absolutely I love it. Um, the storyline itself, Julia Roberts plays. Would you say it's a problematic, problematic character? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she does essentially go out of her way to try and destroy a wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's her not beat around the bush, Julia. Mm-hmm. Her best friend's wedding. But I mean, the relationship between her and Dermot Mulroney is it platonic? Like, obviously, I mean, what do you guys think about this? Is she right to kind of try and get her friend back, or should no. she just leave it be? She should leave it. She she like let that moment pass, didn't she? She she had a chance and she blew it. Like, she did. Why would, why would you blow up with him? My God. <laughs> he's gorgeous in this film. He is gorgeous. Yeah, it's but I mean, sad. she was obviously going through some stuff at that time, so, you know. She was. I, know, I just never really understood that kind of that kind of desperation. I mean, I have mm. been desperate in my life, for sure. And made, no, no, but, you know, we, we all we've, all been, we've all been stupid, but I just think, why, if you were feeling this way, would you let this carry on until the poor guy was getting married to somebody else yeah that's that's stupid so i i have no i just have no sympathy and i just think why mm-hmm. move thing, on isn't it like if you can have something you don't want it and then as soon as you can't have it she wants it mm-hmm. that's, that's a very chi- good point it's childish what, what i love about in this film is that they make the promise to marry each other at 28 <laughs> like that's so young oh my god that's like my age now literally they say if they're not married by the time they're 28 they'd marry each other 28 you're gonna stop looking really <laughs> damn um obviously cameron diaz is in this film it's a very early role for her and she's 20 years old and she's playing a wealthy daughter who's a little bit kind of what's the word just naive about the world, a bit vulnerable. I mean, the fact that she's married a 27-year-old is something we should also discuss. <laughs> What's going on there? Um, it's Dermot Mulroney, and that's... The, yeah. That's why. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Why am I even questioning her logic? Yeah. Go for it, girl. Get out there. Um, for me, though, I think the best relationship in this film is between Julia Roberts and Rupert Everett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I want to so see good. that film. I want to see their friendship. Yeah, it's just a, it's a really good feel-good film, but it is messed up and it is crazy and she's a little bit deranged. Um, and I still think the funniest scene is when they're in the bathroom at the <laughs> airport or bus station or train station. Um, 
I think that's brilliant. Bless, bless Cameron Diaz. She really does give it a role. It's a good <laughs> film. So another classic from 1997 is Chasing Amy. Yes. Have seen this? I was hoping yeah. you would mention Chasing Amy. <laughs> so Chasing Amy is quite a different rom-com. Um, ben Affleck is the main male lead um, and he's trying to fall in love with a lesbian played by Amy. Who plays Joey Lauren Adams? Sorry. Yeah. So he's, try- he's trying to make him fall in love with a lesbian. Um it's quite a messed up film, essentially, that he's trying to basically just ignore the fact that she is a lesbian, that's her sexuality, and that, you know, he's a lad, he's from Boston, he can get whatever guy he wants, girl what he wants. Um, but it is still, it's a cute film. Yeah, no, I agree. I I think it's a different film for the 90s. I don't think you... Actually, no, I've never seen a film where, it, I think apart from Chasing Amy, where he's actively pursuing a lesbian but what I think is super interesting is the way that the film ends where you've got that she might be bisexual do we have bisexual representation in a film that came out in 1997 there's that sort of Mm. um there's a fluidity I think present that I definitely didn't notice the first time I watched it I've only seen it twice but I didn't figure it out until the second time and I know that some of the criticism of the film is that they just threw that in at the end because they wanted it to be like she could potentially love this man when whatever but I thought that was I thought that was particularly interesting I definitely not seen a film from the 90s or I think maybe even since I've watched it that was like that yeah Kevin Smith definitely made a I mean they're both comic book writers as well yeah so you've got a woman who's a comic writer possibly bisexual and she's really charming in this film. She's really lovely. There's a really funny joke about how Ben Affleck kind of asks how exactly lesbians have sex. And she mm. basically mocks him completely. It's quite funny. She's very charming in this film. I don't know if I've seen her in much else, to be honest. I don't think she's I have. She's done other Kevin Smith stuff, so... Oh, yeah. Um, I got, went through a phase when I was just kind of watching all of Kevin Smith stuff constantly. And Chasing Amy was one of the ones that I only saw maybe a couple of times, but I, I remember I remember that one of the scenes from that quite well, where she's basically telling her her mostly or I think all lesbian friends that she's dating a, a man or that she's seeing yeah. a man, and they basically all shut her down and mm. and say well, I think one of them says like oh another one's bite the bite the dust like that she's gone back or something you know and I remember I don't know why that stuck in my memory but I guess it was that that issue again of representation that she can't even find um acceptance within her own community for being fluid like sexually fluid and um yeah and I think I remember thinking that that was a shame but it's also very kind of indicative of the times like Mm -hmm. that 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 things and they still are like that that in some communities like you it's just black and white you're either gay or you're straight or whatever um so I guess I kind of appreciated that and I think I always understood that you that she could be both and that I just sort of figured if you're dating a dude and you have previously identified as a lesbian like you're bisexual or you're pansexual like whether you need to have that label or not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and for me I was just like that's fine (laughs) but it just it just wasn't for certain characters in that film Mm. and I guess probably because it was easier to market it's like oh Ben Affleck tries to change a lesbian rather than Ben Affleck ending a relationship with a bisexual woman 
that just sounds too complicated for people to understand. Mm. But it's also more, I think it's more interesting anyway, because then she has to think about it, you know? It's yeah. the same, I mean, it's the same idea of, it's the same thing as, as a straight person all of a sudden falling in love with someone of the same gender, right? Like, yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh, I feel weird. You know. <laughs> yeah, we need, perhaps we need more storylines on that. That'd be a good storyline to see. I think mm. definitely seeing that kind of bisexual journey of going from only dating the the same gender to suddenly then falling in love with someone of the opposite gender. It's a bit like celebrities you see now, like Kristen Stewart, for example. She's always identified as bisexual, and now she dates women. People are like, she's a lesbian. It's like, no, she's bisexual. Yeah, that always really bugs and she, me. And then if she dates a man, it will be like, oh, she's back now, kind of thing. So, yeah, mm. I agree. Back from where? Like, where is this? I know. Like, what do you understand? <laughs> Um, 1998, we had The Wedding Singer, which is Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Um, I like these two together. I, mm-hmm. There's a film they did later on, um, Fifty First Dates, which I love. Yes. I love that it's movie. It's such a I lovely like rom-com. It's so sweet. Um, the Wedding Singer, I didn't read. Really, I don't think I've seen it properly throughout. Has anyone here seen The Wedding Singer? Yeah. Nope. I saw it. I watched it all the time <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I mean, what what's the premise of it? I'm guessing that one of them is a wedding singer. <laughs> Yes, one of them is a wedding singer. So it's about this guy who is a wedding singer, and he's sort of a starving artist character. I think he lives in a basement of his brother's house or something. Um, okay, So right. he's got sort of, you know, a bit of family around. Um, and he's kind of... I think he's very, like, high on the, on the like, wedding singer circuit. So, like, he does a gig a lot. But it's, you know, he wants to be a rock star type thing. So, you know, he's it's kind of typical artist life. <laughs> just doing this gig but you know and then he meets and then one of the weddings he's gonna sing for is drew barrymore's wedding to this guy who's like kind of obviously wrong for her um and you know he's sort of a well-to-do asshole type i forget the guy i forget the name of the the guy who plays him but he's like he plays an asshole in like every rom-com um (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> and um and basically because this guy doesn't want to do anything about the wedding drew barrymore and um what's his name uh, adam sandler spent a lot of time together planning the wedding and stuff like that so he ends up sort of helping her plan the wedding and then you know stuff happens sparks fly and whatnot and it's just so wholesome <laughs> mm. um it's yeah it's really wholesome but it's I, I think it's great. I think it's funny. I think it's really funny. Um, and just Billy Idol's in it also. So that's just amazing. Um, um, and it's, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't want to say it's different because now it's not different, but like at the time I felt like it was different and, and new and fresh. Um, yeah, I think it's great and everyone should watch it. I don't I think like I've them ever seen the film, but I've seen this is a running theme. I've seen the musical. <laughs> is it a musical of it? Yeah, it was something recently cool. in London. Um, I had friends in the one in London, but yeah, it's it's been a musical with an original score. This one, so oh okay, that's funny because there's the soundtrack for that is just like just chock full. Oh yeah, because it's set in the eighties, right? So it's just like I was say, it's very eighties, chock full of eighties classics, and it's. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's interesting yeah, how many. I was just thinking there, like how many rom coms have been adapted for the stage, and whether mm-hmm. they do use um, whether they do use juke, like a jukebox element to it, so they have the the songs of the era, or whether 
they've written original music um because it's been quite a few now and they're still um, they're still churning them out they're still coming out it's i like it i like it keep doing it i want to see more of them um, another 1998. Oh, sorry, another, another 1998 hit was "There's Something About Mary." Oh God! Um, I loved this film when I was younger because I was allowed to watch it, and there was lots of rude words in it, and obviously the iconic scene of Ben Stiller having sperm in his hair, um, which is just and also I've not seen this, so that's pants. the best way to sell this film. Never. <laughs> You will see him, you will see um, Cameron Diaz have Ben Stiller's sperm in her hair and you will also see Ben Stiller's penis get stuck in his pants. Mm-hmm. It's a bonkers wow. film. It's absolutely <laughs> crazy. Essentially, it's Ben Stiller falls in love with Mary, who is Cameron Diaz, and they are meant to go to prom together, but then when he is getting ready, he gets his penis stuck in his zipper and... It follows a whole ridiculous routine trying to get this penis out of the zipper. And then we fast forward years later where he's still in love with Mary and he hires, like any normal human would do, he hires a private detective to track her down. Oh, Um, ew. The film is bonkers because essentially Mary is lovely but there's all these side characters and it is I, I don't want to say anything about it because it is a bonkers bonkers film but it is one of my favourite rom-coms um, yeah it's quite bizarre has anyone else seen this? I, yeah. yeah it Not is strange time, but yeah <laughs> it's insane <laughs> it's just it's just crackers absolutely crackers it was also directed by the directors of Green Book the Ferrari oh. Brothers <laughs> Dad came out of left field. So the, yeah. Peter Farrelly. Peter Farrelly is the director. Hmm. Anyway, side moving on, we've got the second. Is the second one the second Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks collaboration, which is You've Got Mail. I haven't seen this one. Oh my <gasps> gosh, you need to. No, I haven't seen this one. So this is another Nora Ephron one. So. Jess, mm. tell us about You've Got Mail. Is it alike to Sleeps in Seattle? Is there like themes? It's kind. It kind of makes me feel really happy because I imagine it to be like, obviously they're um, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are a lot, well not a lot older, but they're older, so it's kind of next in the in the legacy. Um, and I, do, I, I just really, it's quite modern it feels quite modern um compared to sleepers in seattle so it's a nice change it's like a different kind of setting um and obviously it's got the the backdrop of new york um which is just stunning um yeah i i don't know i again i just really love it it's just one of those ones mm. I put on when i feel a bit I, I, it's like a comfort movie for me again <laughs> Reading about it, it does seem like it's very alike to Sleepers in Seattle. So, so do they not meet until the end again? They do, but they don't know who each other are. Ah. They've been connecting over email. Oh, um, but I kind okay. of like I kind of like how they're kind they fight they're kind of enemies in real life mm. because um, she runs an independent bookstore and he's the owner or is part of a company opening. Um, a franchise bookstore around the corner so it's going to put Ooh. her out of business so i yeah they're at the kind of at each other in real time but then they're sending emails being like oh lovey lovey and not i'm knowing. interested 
Okay, yeah. I need to watch this one. Definitely I'm excited for you. Mm. I just love reading into um, Kathleen prefers her laptop and logging into an AOL account. <laughs> oh, that's so 90s. Oh, it's so old school. It's so, so old school. It. It's like so dial that internet school. up and let's go. I really want them to make oh, like an it. unofficial because I feel like the unofficial trilogy would be Sleepless in Seattle, You've Got Mail, and whatever like a Tinder Bumble Hinge version of Meg Ryan and Tom <laughs> oh Hanks meeting. Oh, like I, I would like I need make a third. Yeah, have it happen. Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah. What would it be? It'd be like um, yeah, like Tinder. I don't know. Or, like, Tinder, Twitter but or... Tinder, but COVID Instagram. times. I think, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then our last film from 1998 is Sliding Doors. So this is the Ooh, Gwyneth Paltrow yes. film. It's quite a strange oh. one. So basically, as she's leaving the office, she drops... It's Yeah, so she drops an earring and then there's like a man picks it up for her and then she rushes for the train and then she just misses it as the door closes. But then from that moment, you have two films. So it's the storyline, yeah. if she got on the train, the storyline, if she didn't. And essentially, in one film, she cuts her hair and the other film, she doesn't. I mean, other things happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I remember watching this and just n- not really knowing exactly what was going. It's quite sad. There are quite sad elements to it. Um, essentially, she goes, she becomes in a relationship. It's with two different people, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think about this film? I think it is really, uh, yeah, on the sad spectrum of rom coms. Um, not least because you know, and spoiler alert: in like one half of it, she's not. She doesn't know that her partner is cheating on her for like the whole of the mm. film, and it's it's really just kind of shit because you're watching it happen in the other reality, and you're like, so you want to go tell her in the in the reality mm. where she doesn't know and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just kind of. I didn't really. It's not like a feel for me. It was not a feel good film at all. Um, I think it was just sort of like, look, Gwyneth Paltrow is going to cut her hair, so what can we do with that? <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It is quite sad because there's, yeah, I think both parts of it I was kind of like, why have you cut your hair? And I, d- I don't know. If I think they built the film around cut. the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I do find it fascinating, though, because I often find myself thinking, like, imagine if I'd have taken that mm. job or if I'd have got... Yeah. If I'd have gone yeah. there yesterday as opposed to today, what would how would my life be different now? Like that's something that always fascinates me. So I did I find that, that hit that me hard last week actually. The company that I almost took a job with instead of the job I have right now laid off like their entire creative department. Yeah. Cuz of COVID. And I like immediately started crying. Yeah, same with you cares. It's like it's just so weird to think of that. So, so that is weird. an interesting premise. I guess maybe I just wish it wasn't Gwyneth Paltrow. And then I yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it's interesting to think about it. I'd like to see a modern take on it. I'd like yeah, to see a mm-hmm. remake. I rarely say that about films, but I do think this could probably be developed a bit more and be a bit mm-hmm. more interesting, dare I say. Um, but yeah, we can, we can tie in the third unofficial trilogy. Well, she? Unofficial trilogy. Maybe Meg Ryan Meg- and Tom Hanks can just miss in each one other. of them. Yeah, in one of them he turns up for the date. In another one he doesn't. <gasps> he doesn't. Let's do it. Let's pitch it <gasps> to them. Just there we go. <laughs> yeah. Dear Disney. Okay, and then 1999s. <laughs> we're in the final year of the 90s, and we've got Never Been Kissed, which is the yes! Drew Barrymore film. I love this movie. This- 
This feels great. It's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. But it's great. So Josie, who is played by Drew Barrymore, is 25 years old. And they assign her to be undercover at a high school. <laughs> Doesn't really, you know... Don't think I could not do it when I was 25, no. God, no, but she's hilarious and she walks into the school and she's wearing, was it, is it like a fur jacket or something, like a tutu? Yeah, she kind of looks like Cher Horowitz walking into the school, like she just is wearing the wrong outfit for, I think she's trying to wear what is, maybe, maybe would have been cool when she was at school or something like that, like she's, and yeah. but, and obviously people are dressed differently because it's like a five year difference or something or a six, seven year difference, but... It's oh, it's such a I it is outrageous. It's totally it's totally extra. Like, uh, the whole all the the high school drama is so. It it's just not. It's kind of like plastic. Like it's just not really. <laughs> I don't think it's relatable. <laughs> I hope it's not relatable. Um, no, I mean when she goes into the school, she kind of falls in love with one of the teachers who is of course close to her age. But you've got a bonkers cast here as well. Octavia Spence is in this film. Oh wow. Is she? Throwing it back again. She is. Uh, you've also got Jessica Alba, James Franco. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What's his name from Fast and Furious? I'm sure he was in this film as well. Paul Walker. Paul Walker. Yeah, Paul Walker was in this film. Mm-hmm. It, there's a, David Arquette is in this film as well. But, yeah, essentially the main storyline is that she has never been kissed and she's 25. And it's a sweet film. It's bonkers. There's a, there's a Shakespeare play going on <laughs> in it. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a good feel-good film if you want to watch something like that. And she produced it as well, so good for her. I really like... I I thought that she did really well in that film. Like, uh, the, sometimes sometimes Drew Barrymore kind of bugs me. Like, I'm, I can... Sometimes I'm watching films, I'm like, you were really phoning it in right now. And then sometimes <laughs> I watch... Like, for this one, I just thought that she really did a beautiful job and there's a lot of really nice moments. And I, I that just... If you've got a great... Um, performance in a in a rom-com it can completely change the film and make it yeah. worth watching so mm-hmm. it's funny with Drew Barrymore because she hasn't done a film for about five years um the last one she did was that film I mentioned earlier Miss You Already but she um she kind of put everything into Santa Clarita Diet which was a brilliant show if you've not seen it um it does end on a cliffhanger but just you know if you expect it's coming um but yeah she's um got a funny career very funny for funny career i think she makes books now or hmm. perfume or body <laughs> lotion she can sort of do Something. whatever she wants now i guess so mm. she's got enough money you know what i'm saying, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? um and next on our list throwing it back to julia roberts and i've forgotten his name richard gear it's runaway bride yeah <laughs> yeah. mm, we've yeah. not got any fans of this one in the room I've never seen that I've not I, seen it in years yeah same I saw it at the time I think I saw it a couple I times can't remember. I remember at the time and it's um, it's trying to be that it's trying to capture I think the, their, their you know chemistry of pretty woman or whatever and it's not really succeeding um, her this character her I find her character in this is problematic so it's for me it's hard to she's very watch. problematic so essentially Julia Roberts plays a young woman who keeps running away from the altar mm-hmm. and I think it's it by the I think is he like a journalist and he's Richard Gere's coming to write an article on her and 
big surprise, she runs away from the altar. And then I think they end up getting back together and... They, like, fall in love, and then and then they're going to get married, and then he's like, she's not going to run away from me, right? And then she does, because obviously. <gasps> Shut yeah. up. And it's like, yeah. I just, I'm like, this isn't believable, you guys. I know it's a rom-com, but come on now. Also, they fall in love in, like, two days or something. And it's really fast. <laughs> it's very strange. Like, literally, after she leaves Richard Gere at the altar, like, he chases her, and then she, like does like some fast and furious shit where she jumps in the <laughs> yeah. and yeah. like if someone's jumping on moving vehicles you should probably accept they don't want to marry you like come on I mean even Scott is not that afraid of commitment and he's <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying there was a second one wasn't there Runaway Bride 2 oh was I there? didn't know that what or am, I, am I thinking of Father of the Bride maybe fa- I mean if she's just running away there's again there's a sequel to that yeah no, there is Runaway Bride too. No, there's not. I'm breaking it up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> In my mind, I thought there was. Yeah, this kind of falls flat for me. It's not amazing. And you just kind of see it coming. You just mm. know it's what's going to happen. Um, and like you said, they fall in love in like two days. So, yeah. it's. I'm not, not a fan really. of the love at first tight thing. I think it's boring and it doesn't. It's not true. <laughs> you, had, you had me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's total bullshit i'm not i'm so not a romantic sometimes i'm just it's like the whole reason the whole like i'm an opera singer right and the whole reason i don't like bohem is because they fall in love in about 20 minutes and i'm like don't buy that at all and everyone's like but it's the most beautiful romantic opera i'm like is it i don't think it is is it Another one of my favourites from 1999 is She's All That, which is uh, Freddie Prince Jr. He was such a babe in the 90s, so, He's he? still a babe, I think. He's gorgeous. He's got the grey hair yeah. now. Yeah, I think he's more of a babe like a dad. now. Mm. But he is, that's he's just lovely. my type, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a great cast in this film. Another Culkin brother. Kieran Culkin's in this film. Showing him love. Um, you've also got Rachel Lee Cook, Paul Walker, Matthew Lillard, and I think Anna Panquin makes an appearance as well as she like someone's sister. Oh, yes, that. that rings a bell. Yeah, I think so. Bell. I mean, the storyline is ridiculous. I mean, it's a typical ugly girl, dresses up, does her hair, does her makeup, and then falls in love with the guy kind of thing. But the storyline is that Paul Walker challenges Freddie Prince Jr., to turn any random girl into the prom queen. So it's kind of like an ugly Betty kind of storyline thing. And then obviously, as he does, they fall in love. Duh, duh, duh. Um, Usher is in this film he as is. a student, by mm-hmm. the way. As a student. How old was Usher in 1999? I don't think he was a student age. Mm-mm. Oh, I don't know, actually. I don't even know how oh, old no, he is to now. To be fair, he was only 19. Oh. Okay. I'll let him off. I'll let him off on this one. I'll let him <laughs> off. Um, has anyone seen she's? Has anyone seen she's all that? Yeah, years I watched ago. it back in the day. Mm. It's years a really cute nineties film. I would recommend it. It's very sweet. Um, but yeah, it's very typical. Um, uh, not even ugly girl because they. I mean, they did the classical thing with this film. Is Rachel Lee Cook? They put her in dungarees and gave her some glasses, and that's <laughs> all. That constitutes yep. the before. Hopeless. Hopeless. Before that girl could never be hot. Never be hot. 
never ever um but no it is a nice film but it's an adaptation of a play as well and uh it's got a little bit of elements of my fair lady in there as well mm. yeah. Yeah. Isn't it, is it pygmalion i was just googling it, it is pygmalion yeah all these 90s movies being based off of like classic literature mm-hmm uh, speaking of a classic, next up is Notting Hill. Love it. Big love for this film. Uh, this is Richard Curtis again, who gave us Four Winds and a Funeral. Um, it's I don't know what it is about this film. I've w- watched it twice this year, recently, because ah. I just needed to get it in my life. It's just such a... There's a warm warmth to it with Hugh Grant's character. I don't know what it is. He just is so helpless... And just mm-hmm. such a, I don't know, like an idiot, but a lovable idiot kind mm. of thing. And like, he runs like a bookshop that no one goes into. <laughs> and you just, you just love him. You're just like, oh, just make me a cup of tea and talk to me about your day. You are just so lovely. Um, and then, of course, in comes Julia Roberts and just absolutely messes his whole life up, to be honest. <laughs> he doesn't seem lesser. Um, how do you guys feel about this film? There are a you know few what? contradiction. I absolutely love this film um, and one of the main reasons why is um, it's it shows how this woman who is this famous actress is put on a pedestal and it's that whole thing of just putting across that she is a human as well like and I think yeah. so often women are put on pedestals and um, attacked from left right and center about different things and obviously people in the um women in the public eye um predominantly but i think that this film is a good representation of just just showing that i'm i'm a human like you i have the same emotions as you i'm the same as you even though i've got all of this stuff going on i think that's what's so beautiful about it and i think that's why that's why i love it but i just the cast and the whole dinner party scene mm. um dinner party scene. oh i just absolutely and when she comes to dinner and they're all like oh god like it's so good <laughs> and how they it react so to great. it um and then reese is it reese of fans is how you say his name i can't remember yeah, yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. his whole thing where she's in the bath and he's like oh <laughs> it's just and then not Notting Hill, like Portobello, all of that area of London is so, um, it's just so beautiful and, mm. Especially and in so the cinematic. Well, like, it's not over-commercialised, it's just really nice and no. tranquil and an old-timey aspect of London, I think, as well, that kind of section. Yeah, it's so it's photogenic gosh. and so it oh, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So I, I love it. Again, it's the one that I, I love. I love the relationship that Gina McKee plays her. She's in a wheelchair. Is it Bella? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that whole section when they talk about like the past and like how she's managed to kind of like get on with her life despite a terrible thing that's happened to her. It's just a really deep film, and honestly, that's why I've watched it because it makes me cry. But it's just like a little warm hug because, like you said, Julie Roberts, she's living the life of luxury, but at the same time, she's not. She has no freedom. She can't mm-hmm. make her own decisions and it's just she sees Hugh Grant as this kind of escape and any other woman which is think oh he's just the loser he runs a bookshop he shares a house with Reese Evans kind of thing um it's just so lovely and warm I'm just smiling thinking about it yeah I might have to watch it tonight actually decided yeah. again Neha, what, <laughs> what do you look about this Neha because you do like Notting Hill as well I do love Notting Hill yeah it's just 
I guess everything that you said. I mean, I think not. I think the film Notting Hill did for actual Notting Hill, kind of what rom coms did for New York. You know, it's it's yeah, like any, yeah, like any time. Like if I'm still walking down Notting Hill, I'm like, oh, I'm here, and Hugh Grant was here, and Julia Roberts was here. And actually, you know what? As we talk about this, Hugh Grant had a thing where he was in rom coms in the nineties, where his life was like ruined by an American. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, to be that American. <laughs> to ruin Hugh he Grant's had, life. I mean, ruined in the best way, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Andy McDowell and Julia Roberts, like, these... These just... I'm trying to find the word. But, you know, that kind of, like, the, peer, the, the appeal of the outsider. Like, someone who's just, like, appeared mm-hmm. and swept him off his feet and is just new and shiny, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. And I love Julia Roberts. So it's just a fun, happy, cute blanket of a movie. Oh, it's it when he um, when, when he like asks the question at the press conference at the end. Yeah, well. I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> gets God. me every so time. Good. Is it horse and what's it called? Um, the magazine that he's from. Horse, horse and, is it horse and hound or something? Horse and hound, something. Yeah. Oh God, it's Love so it. funny. And then doesn't he have to interview like Misha Barton as an actress at one yeah, point? Yeah, she's as really well. young. She's, she's really, really young. young. Oh, that's so funny. That's what I mean. It's just a funny film, and he's Hugh Grant to me is just. I feel like I've loved him more as I've got older, and I appreciate him more as mm-hmm. that kind of gentleman, that English mm, gentleman type. Yeah. I, I don't like him in Bridget Jones just because I'm strict on Darcy. But in just this film, he's just love. I just, I just want to shake him and be like, "Oh, you're such a bloody idiot, but you're bloody yeah. lovely," kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's such yeah. an arsehole in Bridget Jones, but I'm still like, "Oh, he's, I would, I would, yeah. totally would." <laughs> I don't know if this is, um, I don't know if this is like a North American perspective, but or maybe just me. Um, but I remember because I, I, I read the Bridget Jones books before the movie came out, and I remember watching the movie and going, "Really, Hugh Grant, like." That's how I felt, yeah. I was then. really confused, because to me, Hugh Grant was, like, the floppy-haired, like, weird loser type. And I was like, why yeah. is he playing this, like, hot love interest smoldering guy? Yeah. Um, and I I think I get it now, but at the time, I was so confused. That's literally me. That is literally <laughs> okay. me. Like, I used to think, oh, he's not attractive, and he's just posh and and then i'm older now and i watch it i'm like oh my god he's so lovely Mm. why can't i just meet like a lovely toff like that it's so unfair kind of thing but yeah it's just but notting hill is is up there for me it's it's one of the greatest um i don't know if any of you have heard of this one this come up on the list and i just thought i have to talk about it because i did love it as a kid blast from the past no i've not seen it oh that rings a bell It stars Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone. Oh, yes. Yeah? Okay. I have seen this movie ages ago. Ages ago. She... It's... Oh, what, tell me what the premise is. So, basically, Christopher Walken um, oh believes my God. that nuclear... <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah. flooded> back. <laughs> so, basically, Christopher Walken is Brendan Fraser's dad, and he believes that nuclear war is, like, imminent. So he builds this kind of fallout shelter and um, takes his pregnant wife, who's pregnant with Brendan Fraser, down into the shelter and locks it for 35 years. So after 35 years, uh, we're now in like the 60s, they come out of the shelter and Brendan Fraser is like an alien because obviously he doesn't know anything about the modern world, music, anything like that. So he meets um, Alicia Silverstone 
and they just have this bonkers relationship where she's teaching him about the current years and he's teaching her about the past and it's just it's a lovely little bonkers film but I used to love it as a kid and nobody seems to really have ever watched it I watched it because it was on um oh god like it was on one of these American channels that we managed to get all the time, yeah. you know, like a digers were playing it for months and months. And I think it's, it is bonkers, but it's, it's so, it's so adorable and it's so wholesome, right? Because he it's comes wholesome. out of there and has all these like old ideals and, and he's very like Clark Kent, you know, he's just sort of he very is. small town and I, not small town. He's grew up with two people, you know, so he's just, yeah, it's so cute. And Lisa Silverstone is a darling, so it's just they are. And the combination of like Christopher Walken and Sissy Spacek are hilarious, and it's just like yeah, Sissy Spacek plays the mom, but they are. It's a it's a really it's a really funny film, and that there was there was yeah. So basically, they thought there was a bomb. There was no bomb. I think a plane crashed into their house. Um, But yeah, it's it's a sweet little film. So yeah, definitely a rom com if you're looking for a new one uh, Mm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, did anyone watch the film Drive Me Crazy? Yes. So this no. is the one with Sabrina the Teenage Witch, aka yep. Melissa Joan Hart, and Adrian Grenier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I never watched this. The only thing I knew about it was that the You Drive Me Crazy by Britney Spears was in the song. And that's, that's why I watched the, the movie. Yeah. Oh, is that why she's in the video? Yeah. Yes. This all makes sense to me now. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, Britney Spears guest starred on Sabrina. Yep, so good. I counted yeah. down the days oh my God, until the episode same, came. Same, same. I wore my Britney I shirt. Getting the TV guide and my <laughs> mom being like, "Britney Spears is going to be on Sabrina this week," and I was like, "Oh my God!" Yeah, and it I was kind of remember this. I used yes. to love Sabrina. Oh, it's brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. Um, so Neha, is this film any good, or is it just so? It's essentially like she's all that in reverse like like sabrina well obviously her name's not sabrina um she (laughs) whatever her name is um she plays like the cool girl and she like takes adrian grenier's character under her wing it's like oh i'm gonna make you cool and he's not like uncool in the way that we would view now he's just very indie like that's what it is he's just like he's a little bit like paul rudd in clueless um and obviously he starts to change and all of his friends and even like Sabrina at one point it's like mm, I don't really love it and then obviously it's like your average they end up falling in love cue the Britney Spears song um, but yeah no it was I've seen it once and it was okay and I only watched it because of you know the Britney connection um, of course but like it's a cute film if you don't want to if you want to watch it I mean I wouldn't run to watch it I wouldn't run I wouldn't run Light, light skip light skip light, light skip, skip. <laughs> I'll let you off that okay and last on my list is 10 things I hate about you do you know what I thought are you not going to get to 10 things I hate about you I'm concerned I'm concerned I saved it till last I saved it till last um, again, Shakespearean play based on the Taming of a Shrew. And again, another thing I love about this film is that it's not just one relationship. There's like six or seven bloody things going on. Um, I don't know. Why, why does this film work so well? Tell me why you think it is. Heath Ledger, so well. man. Yeah, it's Heath. It's like ultimate Heath heart. I like can't watch it anymore. It like upset. Like even thinking about it, I get upset yeah. because oh. I just get so upset about him. It's just, brilliant. I don't, because he's so... Oh, everything in it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. He is, he's funny, he's romantic, he's scary, he's sad. Like, there's so many little elements to him. You've got like his tragic backstory with his granddad, and you've got like him being a bad boy. Then you've got him singing on the bleachers, the most oh. romantic scene. Oh. And then at the end, when he's like, she's like, you can't just buy me an instrument. Next, you can't buy me a guitar every time you piss me off. And he's like, no, but I can get you a bass and some drums. And I thought, yeah, that's it. Oh. <laughs> I love her in it as well to be fair I love them both Mm -hmm. together like they're so edgy together like she is and she's not like the conventional like lead actress I love about Julia Stiles is that she's got that element Mm -hmm. to her where she's not the prettiest girl in the room but she's the smartest and she's the funniest and she's the quick witted you know kind of thing Um, and then you've obviously got the storyline with Bianca and Cameron um, and also Joey Donna who's just legendary oh my God, that kid is just a, so funny such an idiot <laughs> he's still laugh when he's got the two headshots like the black I've had literally like when I dated an actor once he literally gave me two headshots like that and I was like oh my god this is like Joey Donna they're exactly what? the same he give you two headshots who is this person he literally gave me he got some headshots done and he was like which one should I use and I was like they're literally the same I think his chin moved like three centimetres that way and that was the point where I was like I can't date this person anymore <laughs> Actors are insane. Oh, I totally get it, though. I know. We we are. We're insane. We're insane. But I love you all. I think it's brilliant. Um, and then you've got that little storyline with Michael. And is it Mandela, who's like the girl obsessed with Shakespeare? Yes. Mm. Oh, my God. Yes. I, think I forgot about that. It, that's what makes this film, I think, is like what you said, Karis, of, about having all these little relationships going mm-hmm. on. And then there's like the dad relationship with his daughters. And I just I, yes. like little things like that that... In some films, they wouldn't think it was necessary to delve into it, but those little scenes are so precious and influence the rest of the film. Mm, so I think the pregnancy bump is that the pregnancy bump where he makes oh a wear it, oh, <laughs> or even just when he's like stretching on like the balcony yeah. and it flings off and smashes yeah. a window, like little so subtle good. comic moments. Just feel <laughs> the film. Um, and Alison Janney is in this film for oh my a short gosh. amount of time, and she's oh, brilliant. So funny. Joseph Gordon Levitt as well, isn't it? Joseph Gordon mm, Levitt. Yes. As I a love baby. him. Baby, he's so young in this. He's film. so young. He's a baby. Um, Gabrielle Union is also in it as well. It's a shame that she doesn't kind of get a romantic love interest. I think she just ends up with Joey in the end, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, kind of. But shame. I tell you what, the band in this film, Letters to Cleo, absolutely yep. obsessed with them. So I'm good. obsessed with them. I want you to want me at the end on the roof. Oh, it was my MySpace song. <laughs> Do you say it was your amazing. MySpace song? Absolutely amazing. <laughs> and also, cruel to be kind when they're in like the the basically it's a lesbian bar, isn't it? Let's not lie. And mm-hmm. Heath Ledger goes there. Oh God, it's a, it's <laughs> it's an amazing film. Did anyone watch the TV show they based on it? No, no, I never watched it. But it was only it, it ran for I like two have. seasons or something. <laughs> I need to be reminded about it. <laughs> it had oh, Lindsay Shaw in it. I've definitely no, not I didn't. It. it was okay, but it just it obviously didn't have that same appeal as the as the film did. But essentially, it was the same kind of storyline. Bianca and Kat aren't allowed to date, so they try and they hire this guy to try and date Kat, so they can try and date Bianca, but. Yeah, the characters just didn't live up to the potential that they once were. So, yeah, it fell flat and got cancelled after one season, as it probably should. But the dad was the same dad. Oh. Oh, Oh, cool. Bless him. Larry Miller. 
Um, but no, speaking on the dad relationship, I really liked that as well because it was overbearing, but it was because he cared for them and he was being quite strict and I like the fact that he kind of played them at their own game, like you can't date till she does. And she's mm. like, but then I'll never date. That sounds fantastic to me. Mm. I, I really <laughs> like that element. I love dads in rom-coms. It's like um, to all the boys I loved before. I love the dad yeah. as well. Oh, I it's, love... I, oh, he's from uh, Sex and the City, isn't he? It's thingy. He is. I love I, him so oh. much. Yeah, it's great. Um, well, that's the end of my list and the recommendations we got online. Was there any other 90s rom-coms you guys wanted to, to, to touch on? Um, I really like... as. As good as it gets with Jack Nicholson and Holly oh. Hunter. I haven't. Uh, that's that another one. one. Yeah, I've not that's seen like it. Like not super typical, and it has like a few stories going on. And he What's essentially the... has, um, he has OCD pretty severely, and one of the things that's part of his OCD is he goes to the same diner for breakfast every day, and he falls in love with Holly Hunter who is the waitress that he sees there but they just don't like it takes a they they don't quite get along like it's very rocky and then all while this is happening um greg kinnear plays his neighbor who he is a gay painter and he gets assaulted in his own home and has to kind of overcome that and the stories kind of intersect and it's that's one where i like that like the two stories are going on at the same time and how they come together Mm. and interact it makes it a little like it's not just your typical rom-com i guess but it's a good one i would definitely recommend it ah i'm gonna put it on my list i've not seen it i'm gutted because it's not a 90s film but one of my all-time favorite rom-coms with chuck nicholson is something's gotta give oh yes good one we gotta do a 2000s episode because i got a long list we're gonna do the 2000s next that's the next episode but keanu reeves in that film diane keaton oh amanda Peet. oh yeah so good. Any other 90s films we missed out on? I love... Has anyone se- seen um, One Fine Day? No, so who's a, in that? So One Fine Day is... Um, so I think it was like 1996 or 1997. It's got George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer in it. And Ooh. they both... Yeah, and they both play single parents. So Michelle Pfeiffer is like an architect and she's running late because she has to give a presentation. And I think George Clooney plays a reporter. And both of their kids missed the bus that was supposed to take them on their field trip. So it's like them trying to juggle, having to keep their kids that day and needing to do these things at work. And they kind of meet and they're juggling kind of parenting duties and essentially kind of fall in love through that. But it's just so, it makes me so happy. Like, again, coming, like, because you've got their relationship, but you've got their relationship with their children. And it's just like this very cool and really cute kind of family like it's it's almost like you're watching a family be Formed become together. yeah exactly um so if you've not seen that i really i recommend it it's um i think it's super super underrated i mean it's always on film four so i'm sure people have seen it but um <laughs> yeah i recommend one fine day okay i've had I quite got a lot honestly yeah me too Got a big think, list. I'm, I'm gonna be like the only person that comes out of this quarantine like no i didn't have enough time no it's actually quite good that we have got no new releases for like six months now film wise we can catch up like i think we should do this more often you know (laughs) not the quarantine and pandemic part but the whole like you know no releases yeah just say it yeah um that's it that's our that's our rom-coms tied up can you guys think of a favorite you have out of all of those like your top number one pick wild at heart (laughs) (laughs) of course I think, I I mean, 
I loved, I love like obviously the Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks thing, but Notting Hill is the fifth. Mm. I think if if I could like have a tie, it would be Pretty Woman and um, You've Got Mail. Yeah, Clueless probably. I think just because mm. that mm. I grew up with that movie and it's just everything. So yeah, yeah. I think that's probably my favorite. Mine's Ten Things I Hate About You. I think the perfect proposal for me would be. Well, Heath Ledger ideally, but that's not going to happen now. But a man singing mm. that song on the bleachers and being chased by police officers, that is, <laughs> that's that's an <laughs> I do moment. So if any respectful bachelors out there are listening, or Scott, if you are listening downstairs, um, <laughs> that is my ideal proposal. So, you know, not fussy, just saying. <laughs> okay, guys, thanks so much for joining us this week. I really appreciate it. It's nice to kind of have a trip down memory lane with some of these films, and I've got a fair few added onto my watch list now so i hope you're all keeping safe and thank you for being on the show and i'll see you all soon thank you thank you thanks guys bye thanks for listening to another episode of not having it all if you like our little show you can help support us by subscribing to us on whichever podcast platform you're using you can also follow us on Twitter at NotHavingItPod and maybe tell your friends about us. For a small podcast like us, recommendations are so helpful. We'll see you next week.